0: Money, Riches, and Wealth is sponsored by the Financial Consulate.
1: Say you don't need no diamond rings, and I'll be satisfied. Tell me that you want the kind of things the money just can't buy. I don't care too
0: much for money.
1: Money can buy me love.
0: This is Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Time now for Money, Riches, and Wealth here's your host, Drew Tignanelli.
1: And this is Drew Tignanelli here with Money, Riches, and Wealth, and uh, here with my co-host, Christopher John O'Shea. Christopher, how you doing, my friend? It's
0: great to be with you, sir. You're just getting a weekly rotation, aren't you?
1: Yes, I am. (laughs) Hopefully, you can hear me well, because I don't have my typical black box. I got a do it from a telephone call am i coming through loud and clear
0: you're coming through well sure you're not coming through perfectly but you're coming through well so yeah it's uh, it's good stuff so we right. uh well, adapt uh, improvise adapt to overcome
1: yes that is true we're here on an open show christopher so our listeners again are our guests if they call in and ask questions we're here to answer their questions And if they have a topic dealing with their personal finance, anything, whether it's dealing with the new SECURE 2.0 Act that just got passed in the last weeks of December 2022 and how that's going to affect their uh, retirement accounts or whether they want to talk about, um, you know, 401K plans or estate planning or Social Security or Medicare or retirement planning, or investments, what's going on in the markets, et cetera, et cetera. It's totally up to them. They get to decide what they want to talk about tonight. And the way to do that is to call in 410-922-6680, 410-922-6680, if you want to call in and ask a question. And uh, we're here to answer your question. And remember, there's always somebody out there that wants to hear what you're talking, what your your question is. And they need to hear the answer to that, but they are not going to call in and ask. And they're looking for you to call in and ask that question. So give us a call at 410-922-6680. Ask your question. Chris, there is a lot going on. you got this new SECURE Act.
0: Well, I was just Um, thinking, as soon as you are saying that, I was thinking about this, you know, most people have fully heard or or understand SECURE Act 1.0. Right,
1: yeah, Secure Act 1.0 was passed in 2019, starting in 2020, and now they've added additional modifications to that in Secure Act 2.0 here in December of 2022. Some of it is begins in 2022, some of it begins in 2023, 2024, 2025, 2027, 2033. (laughs) So, you know, it's a lot to keep track of, but that's what we do for our clients and for our listeners on our radio show. And, um, you know, just some of the quirky things that they did in this. Um, Beginning in uh, 2024, uh, you'll be able to get your match from your company as a Roth match as opposed to a tax-deferred 401k traditional match. And that that's a quirky thing and matter of fact here's a funky thing about this if your salary with your company is more than 145,000 don't ask me why 145,000 but that's the number they chose if your salary with your company is more than $145,000 starting in 2024 they will force you to take a Roth match and pay taxes on that matching contribution as opposed to, um, uh, you know, your typical deferred uh, matching contribution, and if um, if uh, and you know, uh, you know, if you if you want to do the catch up contributions, if you want to do the catch up contributions, they're going to make you do your catch up contributions also as uh, Roth co- catch up contributions, not as as traditional contributions. It's, it's a whole game changer on a lot of things, more of this socioeconomic uh, warfare going on. You know, your income's over this. You got to do this. And if it's not, et cetera, et cetera. So it's an amazing, amazing amount of complexity they're adding to the tax code, Chris.
0: All of it to a lot of it to generate taxes now.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of it is is to force people to pay taxes now. But actually, it'll backfire them in the long run, Chris, because Ross are are the more powerful of the two. And, you know, and I guess what they're thinking is someday in the future, they'll just stop allowing Ross to be tax-free.
0: Right. Exactly right. They're going to, yeah, they're going (laughs) to, that's the bait and switch. Uh, you know, from a cynic standpoint, or in some cases, just forced—they're forced to do it because they need tax revenue from somewhere to fund everything that they're spending. But to eventually, yeah, say you can't put anything more into Roth.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. You know, not sure exactly where
0: they're Well It's just going to be taxed, like Social Security. You yeah. keep, you don't index the Social Security level that which you start to tax it. So eventually, everybody's into the taxable portion of. Uh, social security that's
1: an amazing point that you're making right there and a lot of people don't even know that there's a frog sitting in the pot and they turned the heat up on you since 1982 and you've been getting boiled and you don't even realize what the politicians did to you but we'll talk more about that chris when we come back we're on an open show tonight nobody's on the line right chris
0: nobody's on your line yet nope He's
1: so on the line yet. 410-922-6680. If you want to be the first on the line, we're only through one quarter of the show. So now's the time to call in 410-922-6680. We'll be right back. More Money, Riches, and Wealth. This is Drew Tignanelli, and I have a question for you. Is your financial advisor a doctor of personal financial advice? Do you get strategies to reduce taxation, Social Security, Medicare advice, sophisticated retirement planning, investment allocation strategies, estate planning, or help with any issue of money? It is time you do a financial physical with me and my team at the consulate and experience the difference. You hear the depth of knowledge we have about personal finance, so do a financial physical and you will experience what we believe an advisor should do for you. They should be independent, experienced, credentialed, fee-only, comprehensive fiduciaries. They should be a doctor of personal finance and not salespeople selling you products. Set up an introductory meeting by calling 410-823-SAVE, 410-823-SAVE, or go online, financialphysical.com. That's financialphysical.com. It's time you experience the difference.
0: Now back to more of Money, Riches, and Wealth on Talk Radio 680 WCBM.
1: We're back with Money, Riches,
0: and Wealth. We're here
1: with uh, Christopher John O'Shea. We're on an open show. You're the guest. You get to decide the conversation tonight. 410-922-6680 410-922-6680 if you want to call in, 410-922-6680. But I think, Chris, you told
2: me you had a couple of people online. Yeah, Who we've got
0: uh, three right now, and the first one up is Brad. So, Brad, uh, we help you? Brad hi, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, thanks for taking my question. Um, I had a question about my taxes, my Maryland state taxes, from about two years ago. I made a mistake, and I'm wondering if you can tell me how to solve it is I think I'm going about it the right way, but the state is fighting me on it
3: go ahead um,
1: tell me what happened so,
2: yeah, so what it happened was when I filled out my state tax, I inadvertently used my federal income salary, but it was the adjusted number you know like after I took deductions and stuff and it was just you know a mistake so the State wrote me and said the taxes I turned in were wrong because my real salary was, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but let's say it was $20,000 more than I put on the form. So then they assessed a tax that was basically straight up on that $20,000, which you know was a big number. And I thought that can't be right. It seems to me I should fill out like an amended form, you know, a amended tax return and send it back in and and pay, you know, that amount. Am I thinking that correctly? Well, yes, I mean, you know, amended
1: tax return, but really if you filed a regular Maryland tax return took all your deductions accordingly and you just had another $20,000 of income, it should be relatively no, I shouldn't I shouldn't say that, but it typically will be relatively straightforward. It's just twenty thousand more income. But I would definitely do an amended return and say, well, if I reported it correctly, this is what the tax should have been and it's less than what you're saying you want from me. So tell me where I'm wrong.
2: Right. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. And then the first uh, this is the third time I've contacted them, and now they they've actually set up an appointment um, for later in the week um, the first time they didn't even look at what I sent in they just sent me the same letter saying I owed money and then well, the- here's here's the problem you probably had
1: you probably actually tried to file an amended return, but once they start questioning you, you can't file a Technically, file an amended return. You have to submit your amended return as part of your response to their notification. If you did that, you did it correctly. If you tried to file an amended return, then that's where your problem is probably coming in.
2: Well, I actually did both because when I sent it to the letter or the person, like I said, they just wrote back and said, Sorry, you know you need to send in this much, so then I sent the a, a copy of the amended return to the actual controller's office, and now just this week, I got a letter saying, you know, please call us, but I just wanted yeah. to make sure and I think my, when you uh, call
1: well, I think when you call them you'll be able to rectify like it like i
0: say that's a good that's a good development that they actually want to talk to you, yeah,
2: okay, so, so. yeah, I just wanted to make sure my logic was sound because when I Fill out the return the way it's supposed to be properly filled out. It's definitely a different number than they got.
1: Well, you know the number should be about sixteen hundred bucks.
2: The tax,
0: I
1: can't remember right? remember off the top of my head, but yeah. it was yeah. Well, it should should fall in that ballpark. Now they probably have penalties and and all that kind of stuff. You can ask for Mayacopa Mayacopa forgiveness, and normally if you've never asked for it before, they'll give it to you.
2: Yeah, I expect there'll be that, and they even took my return. Uh, I, I got a small refund last year, and they just kept it. So. Yeah. All
0: right, well, good luck on that,
2: i got to run on to Dan, right, Chris?
0: We have Dan next. Yeah, we sure do. Dan, hi. Welcome to the show.
3: Hi, yes. How are you guys?
0: Doing well, thanks.
3: Good, uh, good, good. My basic question is um, I'd like to transfer some money from my bank. Uh, to another institution uh, where they offer like a better rate for CDs. What's the best way to transfer that? Um, They're telling me like a uh, personal check. Um, But I was just curious about that. Should it be a bank check, a cashier's check?
1: No, Dan, Uh, Dan, Dan, listen up, okay? So set up an online savings account electronically. Choose one out there. There are plenty of great ones. Don't do a CD. Do an online savings account. And when you do that, set up an ACH transfer where you put in the name of your current bank, your account number, and the routing number. You create a link between the two, and boom, you, know, you, uh, you, you, you can just move money back and forth anytime you want to. That's the way to do it.
3: Okay, but the, the CD rate is, you know, is, is higher,
1: yeah, well, but, you know, the CD rate, uh, you know, how, how much is the CD rate you're going for?
3: Uh, it's like 4.6.
1: Oh, that's pretty good. For how long? For a year. For a year. Okay. Uh-huh.
3: So you could do it the
1: same way with the CD. You should be able to set up an online savings account with that same bank, okay, and then transfer into the CD. Where is the CD a local bank or is it an online bank?
3: No, it's through another broker they're who offers it's a brokerage who sells. Like, firm. Yeah, it's a brokerage firm, and they sell. They take you know they might have three or four different banks that they use broker and, CDs. You know, they're offering sure. Good rates. Is it a fixed CD or is it based on
1: some kind of index and so forth?
3: It's a fixed CD, the way I understand it. So you have your money in there for a period of a year, and then you get your interest at the end of the year term.
1: Well, the, you know, again, the same thing you can do with that brokerage is: are there local branches nearby?
3: Yes, yes, they are. Yep.
1: Well, then you can just take a personal check to them and say, here, you know, deposit this. Once you clear the check, I'll just buy the CD with you.
3: Okay, so a personal check then would work. Would work.
1: Absolutely, you're just going to have okay. to wait three or four days until it clears before you'll be able to buy as opposed to if you brought them over a certified check, but I wouldn't, I'd just bring them a personal check and wait the three or four days. Rates aren't okay. gonna change in three or four days.
3: Okay, great, yeah, that was, that was my question. Th- thank you very much.
1: Uh, not to mention that if it's a brokered CD, you may be able to buy the CD while the check is clearing, right. and as long as it clears before settlement of that CD, you should be good, so. Oh,
3: okay, fantastic.
1: All right, buddy. Good question. Interesting.
0: Okay, Dan. Thanks for calling. Yep. Great. Thank you. Yep. Take care. Okay, we've got John next up in uh, Owings Mills. Hi, John. What can we do for you?
4: Okay, two questions about uh, homeownership. Number one, uh, what is your thoughts about uh, home title theft, and is it something that people should do something to protect themselves against? Number two,
1: if if you if you live in the house and you get the mail and you open your mail, your chances of home title theft are insignificant. And
4: why is why is that? That's that's good news. Why is that?
1: (laughs) Because the way they do it, uh, John, is they uh, they go and they find a house that's vacant for a period of time. They then, you know, go to the courts and try to get things and things are being sent to that house address and nobody's getting the mail and so forth. And so you're not finding you go online and research this where you get through the BS of the advertisers selling this stuff and you find that it does happen. There is no doubt. But typically it's because nobody's answering the mail, nobody's addressing the situation, nobody's staying on top of what's going on on the house, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the way you're finding this happen. Normally they're doing it in places like, you know, Florida, where people are six months here and six months there. And some of them, they're maybe not even there for a whole year or two, you know?
4: But what would someone get in the mail that would clue them in
1: that this is going on? Well they get something from the uh they'd get something from the uh, the tax people saying, you know, we've got this request to do this, et cetera, et cetera. And so and you know, also if you talk to your real estate people in your local area, a lot of them have notifications now that they'll send you a text message or an email also, as well as US mail. So, you know, there's lots of different ways. I personally am not concerned about it. So if you wanna be You know, feel free to spend a few bucks a month to get them to do quote unquote title protection, but I'm not concerned with it.
4: Uh, I I mean, I'm in my house a long time, it's paid off. Um, Yeah,
1: you're not going to worry about
4: it. I get uh, communication from, I mean.
1: If you want to ask more questions, you're going to have to hold on because 629 is a hard break for me. I've got nine seconds to go. If you want to hold on, we'll come back to you when we get off this break. I'm on an open show, 410 922 6680.
0: back to more of Money, Riches, and Wealth on Talk Radio 680 WCBM.
1: We're back from Money, Riches, and Wealth, and we're here on an open show. If you want to call in 410-922-6680 is the way to do that. This is Drew Tignanelli here with Christopher O'Shea. And uh, Chris, who do we have online? Anybody?
0: Yeah, we've got John and Tom, and John's been holding on longer. Thanks for holding on, John. We're going to put him on right now. Welcome to the show, John.
4: <coughs> yeah, so uh, just to Continuation. So you mentioned if I'm checking. Oh,
0: the mail, sure, right. I'm sorry.
4: I'm checking the mail regularly, uh, which is a great tip. Then I should
0: be okay. You
4: know, if the house is not abandoned, obviously. Uh, now, so from whom should I be looking out for possibly something in the mail that's indicating that someone's fiddling around with the title? You know, what would I be looking out for?
1: You'd be looking for a message from Baltimore County Real Estate Division that says. You know, we got your request to da 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 you know, and so forth. That's really what you're gonna see. But there's very little chance, in my opinion, you're going to see anything like that if your house is being lived in and you're picking up the mail every day.
4: Gotcha. So if you're if you're gone for several months and somebody
1: cruising around kind of Yeah. If you're if you're a snowbird and you're going to Florida for five or six months or three or four months or something like that, you know, you know, then you might want to have somebody make sure they get your mail every day and things of that sort, you know, but you can also talk to the Baltimore real estate division and just question them. Hey, guys, do you have a text notification? Do you have an email notification? if anyone's doing a lot of lot of real estate divisions of a lot of counties around the country are starting to add this in because people are concerned about this issue so look into that if it's a concern of yours okay john wonderful wonderful
4: I wouldn't worry about it.
1: I'm not worried about it, so you know I don't necessarily know that you should worry. But I, I worry about these kind of things. I, you, if you knew what I do about identity theft and all that kind of stuff, but this isn't one that I'm worried about right now. All right, let's go, Chris. Who's up next, buddy?
0: Okay, we've got uh, Tom in uh, Towson, and then we've got the rest of our, our open phone lines. Hi, Tom. Welcome to the show.
5: Okay. Good evening, gentlemen great show as usual thank you My question is what is a covered call and do you recommend it for uh, buying an individual stock to protect yourself against a stock going down
1: well um you know that's one of the biggest misnomers about covered calls in my opinion so let me explain what a covered call is first okay Everybody, hopefully, has heard of the options market. The options market is where you have the right to either buy a stock at a fixed price or sell a stock at a fixed price. And you have to pay to get a contract in order to buy at a fixed price or sell at a fixed price. Okay, Those are the option buyers. And people would do that because they want to gamble the stocks going up or they want to gamble the stocks going down. Now, on the other side of every option contract has to be an option seller. So an option seller is somebody who sells a call option like you're talking about. Why would somebody sell a call option? Well, they say, hey, I've owned uh, Microsoft for the last 20 years, and I'm thinking it's topping out, and I'm probably going to sell it and take the gain anyway. So well, instead of selling it right away... I'll just sit here and say, hey, if this stock hits 70, or I'm just using 70 as a number, so don't jump on me on that, if if stock ever hits 70, I'm willing to sell it because I was planning to sell it anyway. But in the interim, while it's trading at 64 or 65, I'm just going to sell an option to somebody. They're going to give me money To sit back and wait, and if the stock hits 70, they're going to buy it from me for 70 plus the money they paid me for the option. And if it doesn't hit 70, I just get to keep their money, and then I can do it all over again, okay? So the concept that they argue, the people who do covered call options, that's what a covered call is, is when I own Microsoft and I'm planning to sell it, that's called a covered call because I already own the Microsoft, I can just give it to them at 70 when they, uh, if the option exercises. Um, now, the the concept that you're actually protecting yourself on the downside is the concept that if the stock's trading at 65 and somebody's willing to give me three bucks to uh, buy the stock from me at 70, and now the stock goes down to 60. I just picked up three dollars and I, I protected my downside by three dollars, and I'm only down two instead of down five. That's the concept. Foolishness, in my opinion, because if the stock takes off, I'm limited to 70 dollars. If the stock collapses. You're going to collapse with it. Yeah, you got $3, but trust me, that $3 is pure earned income or ordinary income. And out of that $3, I'm going to pay at least a dollar in taxes on it. And uh, yeah, I limited my downside a tiny bit, but was it worth it to also limit my upside? You You know, I've never been a fan of covered calls. I've heard all the arguments about it. But there are a lot of commissions made on people who buy and sell calls, brokers, who buy and sell calls for somebody. It's still an extremely lucrative, commission-oriented practice. And in my opinion, that's really the big benefit to it. Now, I will say that there are unique situations where I have bought, sold uh, both calls and puts, uh, but they're usually very unique situations. And don't get lured into that BS that it's a protection on the downside.
0: Thank you. Okay. All right. Thanks for um, calling, Tom. Good yeah.
1: Point. Well, but yeah. Whoever it, the broker is suggesting it to you, they definitely will do well protecting their downside.
0: Well, I mean, for so in this case, it could be in a, in a limited usage, right? So it can be yeah. if the markets are stable, if there's just you know, if, if the if the volatility is uh, is absent. And you just have a tranquil market and nothing's really happening, and you think you're going to get some income from it, then I mean, sure, you could get some income for a while. But again, it reminds me of the old you know Jimmy Mae fund days, right? If uh, if there isn't a whole lot going on, you know, they can be good. But if uh, rates are going higher or lower, you're going to lose. Um, so for, for different reasons, and so it's yeah. it's fraught it's with sure. with a lot of with a lot of landmines.
1: There's a lot of people out there spreading a lot of uh, garbage about a lot of different strategies. There are no great strategies that you can just easily avoid X, Y, or Z and sit back and enjoy yourself. If you don't have some kind of volatility, if you don't have some kind of downside risk, you're not going to make a lot of money. You might as well go with our friend in the last call or so where he said he was buying a CD for a year for 4.6%. And that's that's great. And, you know, when you get rates like this, that's time to start locking those kind of fixed rates in. Um, but otherwise, if you don't have volatility, you're not going to make a lot of money. So it's no perfect strategy.
0: Right, right. So we're getting a message here that a caller wants us to talk about uh, 10-year IRAs. I'm, I'm imagining that's the Secure Act 1.0, uh, Maybe inherited IRAs, and uh, what
1: did they say they want to talk about? What's that?
0: Ten-year IRAs.
1: Well, I think what they're referring to, Chris, is the longevity annuity inside an IRA, and you can minimize the RMD with that.
0: Oh, okay. Because I so you think you go a couple ways. I think
1: that's because that's what that's what the uh, longevity annuity is, and again. It's a silly concept, Uh, at least in the uh, Secure Act 2.0. They made it slightly, slightly possibly better. But most of those uh, uh, annuities were before they were extremely limited interest rates. Um, Now, with interest rates finally moving up, I think they actually may be worth starting to look at. If you've got excess money and you don't need the income right away, and you're not living off of it. Um, you know, maybe to put something away for the longer term that you don't have to take RMDs on might work if they're paying you a reasonable interest rate on them. Unfortunately, so far, we have not seen any of them yet. Maybe now's the time to start looking for them again. And Chris, you and I ought to start looking at that, seeing if there are any fixed rate longevity annuities out there for people who don't need all their uh, IRA money today. Good point. I'm not sure that's what they were talking about, but that seems to be what I would.
0: I would think that about. actually more we thinking about more than that than the 10 year inherited IRA distribution uh, rules that are coming up. So we got open phone lines and we will be right back. This is Drew
1: Tignanelli, and I have a question for you. Is your financial advisor a doctor of personal financial advice? Do you get strategies to reduce taxation, Social Security, Medicare advice, sophisticated retirement planning, investment allocation strategies, estate planning, or help with any issue of money? It is time you do a financial physical with me and my team at the consulate and experience the difference. You hear the depth of knowledge we have about personal finance, so do a financial physical, And you will experience what we believe an advisor should do for you. They should be independent, experienced, credentialed, fee-only, comprehensive fiduciaries. They should be a doctor of personal finance and not salespeople selling you products. Set up an introductory meeting by calling 410-823-SAVE, 410-823-SAVE, or go online, financialphysical.com. That's financialphysical.com. It's time You experience the difference.
0: Now back to more of Money, Riches and Wealth on Talk Radio 680 WCBM.
1: Yes, this is Drew Tignanelli here on Money, Riches, and Wealth. We're just sitting here playing our sitar because uh, we uh, <laughs> don't have any callers online. And uh, we're on an open show. We're on the last quarter hour. We've got about 10 minutes. We could probably do at least two or three callers. 410 6680, if you want to call in and ask a question. 410 6680 is the way it is. Call in and ask the question, we'll stop playing the sitar. Well, it sounds like we did stop playing the sitar, and uh, be ready to answer your question. Sure,
0: sure. And in the meantime, we could talk about the other possibility of that question about 10-year IRAs, and that's the Secure Act 1.0 and the IRS's delayed clarification (laughs) on what has to happen with distributions from inherited IRAs.
1: Yeah. So, you know, basically your other possible question you could be asking is that if you left your IRA to a non-spouse family member, that they force you to liquidate it in 10 years. Now, it gets a little complicated because it sounds like the way that the original law was written, everybody interpreted it, is that no matter when you uh, when you uh, inherit the money, no matter who, how you inherited, you had 10 full years, and you could take it all out on the last day, or you could take it out as you pleased over 10 years. But now they've come back and say, oh, wait a minute. If the decedent died after their required beginning date, required beginning date is always April 1st of the year after they hit their required minimum age, which is 72 or now 73. So it's April 1st after you either turn 72, if that was your required minimum date, or April 1st in the year after you turn 73. If that person died after that April 1st date, then you have to now take required minimum distributions for nine solid years based on the old life expectancy rules, and then at the end of 10 years, take still take the remainder out. It's just making it more complicated. Everybody told them, don't make it this complicated, but they didn't listen, and the 2.0 affirmed this final decision. So anyway, Chris, you have a caller
5: online? We do.
0: We've got a couple, so uh, that should take us to the end of the show. We've got John first up. Hi, John. Welcome to the show.
5: Hey, I'm 66 and three months, and my full retirement age is 66 and four months. I have about 1.2 in the bank, and in my retirement account, everything I've got is paid for. And I'm trying to think a reason why I should wait to take my retirement, you know, my Social Security. I plan on working until around 70. I don't need the money, but if I don't take it, it'll. I have to live to what uh, 80 years old is about $900 difference. So I'll leave about $120,000 on the table if I wait, you know, and take it later.
1: Well, let me uh, let me let me clarify what you said. First off, are you single or married? Married. You're married. So either you or your spouse, are you the higher earning of the two?
5: By way far, yes.
1: Okay. So if your spouse outlives you, uh, if one of you, just one of you lives to be 90-some years old, it's going to be a bonanza to the family. Now, you said you're going to leave 120000 on the table. Keep in mind that when you take that Social Security at 66, 67, 68, 69, and you're making more than $40,000 a year, 85% of that Social Security becomes taxable. And if that, your income tax bracket is 22 or 24%, you're going to lose uh, almost a quarter of what you're getting in. So instead of 120,000 you're really only talking about 90,000 after taxes under the best case scenario whereas if you let that grow 8% a year it grows tax free and then you start paying taxes when you're 70 years of age on whatever that increased amount is and that to me is far better than taking it early and just paying taxes on it. Especially if you're a high income earner, it's even worse.
0: Unless there are external circumstances of health of either or both spouses. Well
1: it would have to be both spouses, yep. Chris, because he's the sure.
5: higher earner of right. the two. Yeah,
0: that's why I threw in there the both. Right.
5: Whereas the well, My wife to- uh, my wife's a type one diabetic. Okay. So Um, My mother's been type
1: 1 diabetic since uh, 1970-something, and she's 94 years old, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Doing quite well. (laughs) Okay. So I understand your wife should be taking her Social Security as soon as possible, but your Social Security is going to keep going if one of you two is alive, and especially since you don't need it. Why would you want to pay taxes on it? That's my opinion, but, you know, look, it's not going to be a critical mistake if you decide to take it. So be blessed either way, my friend.
5: Yeah, I was thinking of that I would need, I would actually use it more now, between now and the time of 80, because once I reach 80, there's a lot of things I won't do that right. I can physically do now. I know,
1: disagree. Versus- I'm, I'm amazed at how healthy my clients are today in their 80s. It's unbelievable. Matter of fact, I just got an email today from a couple who's 80, and it's not uncommon that they're, they're going on a trip to Europe, five different countries, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I'm amazed at how healthy people are today at 80. Anyway, we got to run to the other caller. Make okay. sure so we get them. in. Yeah, thank you. Question, sure.
0: Yeah, you thanks, know. thanks, John. And and also, when you get eight point seven percent inflation and an eight percent accretion of your number, it <laughs> it takes at least one year off the table. So uh, let's go to Rick next in Ellicott City. Hi, Rick. Welcome to the show.
5: Yes, uh, I had a question about the Secure Act two
3: <clears throat>
5: and uh, I heard that we have some long standing five twenty nine plans and some of our grandchildren have uh, graduated, mm-hmm. that you can transfer some of that money to a Roth IRA for the grandchild? Well, you've got a couple problems there, my friend,
1: okay? Are you yeah. or your wife still working?
2: No, no. no we're you retired. You have to
1: still be working to be able to transfer the money to a Roth IRA.
5: Okay. So you That's could go right.
1: take a small job and make $10,000, $15,000, and then you're absolutely correct. Or you could just leave the beneficiary as your children or grandchildren, and, uh, and then move it to Roth IRAs for them as a gift.
0: Okay. All right.
1: All
5: right. Thank you very
1: much.
0: All right, Rick. Thanks for calling.
1: But keep in mind that this new SECURE Act, you can move money from a 15-year-old uh, 529 plan to the beneficiary, but only at the rate of uh, $6,000 or 7000 per year for that beneficiary, and only if that beneficiary has earned income. If they don't, you can't move it at that rate per year. Gotcha. So,
0: Makes again, sense. it
1: gets ridiculously complicated. But, you know, Chris, you made another good point for the gentleman that called in about the Social Security question, You were talking about the uh, cost of living increase. Keep in mind that if he waits until 70 and he gets that higher amount of money than the lower amount of money, that from 70 on, you're going to get a higher cost of living increase on a higher amount of money compared to a cost of living increase on a lower amount of money uh... that you would be getting and uh... that compounding of that cost of living increase on that higher amount of money could be quite significant over the next ten fifteen twenty years
0: sure so it's yeah depending on you know there's a lot of things in there interestingly enough but let's go to uh, keith we got one last call Let's see if we can squeeze it in keith from jessup welcome to the show
3: hey uh...
6: thank you thank y'all you for the show um, i received some inheritance money um, Last uh, October, that we finally settled over a year and a half of probate, right? And so I was, I was going to put it into a TD Ameritrade. And my question is: Is am I am I taxable on inheritance money? If I put well, it the into answer a, is
1: no. Inheritance are almost always tax free unless it comes from an IRA or an annuity. So if it's not from an IRA or annuity, chances are it's 100% tax-free.
6: Okay, so I can I can, because um, um, I was concerned about how to handle this, and and I and I, and I didn't I was I, I was uh, concerned that the IRS could like.
1: No 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 uh, no. You don't have any concerns unless the money is inherited from an IRA or an annuity. All right. It's from
6: a, 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 a trustee account.
1: Well, now, that's a little different. That's not probate. That's different. And you're going to have to ask the trustees as to whether any of it's going to be taxable to you or not. All right? Okay. Because I wouldn't be able to answer that. They're the only ones that will know the answers to that.
6: Okay. I, I, I All see right? what you're yeah.
0: All right, Keith.
1: Anyway, that's a complicated question because it depends on what kind of trust it is, too, Chris. But anyway, we're out of time, Chris. Good to be with you. This is Drew Tignanelli saying God
2: bless. (laughs)